0: Uh, hi guys, Russell here. Uh, over the last few months, I've talked about the idea of an empire, uh, a US-based empire, and trying to do analysis online and comparing it to like, perhaps the rise and fall of the British empire. Um, a lot of that was driven by the observation that the size and wealth of the big US tech companies now is of a similar sort of comparison to the East India Company. And the East India Company really did mark the rise and fall of the British Empire as well. And that's where that comparison came from. And it's nice, it offers some uh, areas of analysis such as uh, monopoly cartel policy and looking at current tax arrangements particularly between Ireland and US. And I think they're very interesting and you should have a look at them. But they did have some problems. And probably the biggest problem for me was that you could really quite easily trace the fall of the British Empire through loss of territory and loss of influence. Uh, And when I go look at the US, you know, I find that a very hard metric to match up with because, you know, it just doesn't really match up and, you know, implies that maybe US empire continues on forever. And so you sort of come to a bit of a dead end in that type of analysis. And so I left it to the side. Um, But fortunately, uh, The Economist uh, recommended a book called uh, After Tamerlane, the Rise and Fall of Global Empires from 1400 to 2000 by a guy called John Darwin. And what is really fantastic about this book is you only need to read the first chapter. But what he does is he reinterprets uh, the rise and fall of empires in a, in a, in a what for me anyway is a new way. I don't know if it's common, but a new way. Essentially, essentially what he's saying is that the world, uh, and if we're going from the 1400s, sort of the Eurasia world, really had three empires ...that were either in conflict with themselves or conflict against each other. Uh, and, you know, though, that, if you understand the empire from that way... ...and that religion was really a, a, another way for these empires to control and manage their, their regions. And so the sort of European slash Christian empire was one. You then had an Islamic empire, which really was probably the dominant empire for most of that period. And you had a Chinese-based Confucian empire which, of course, concluded Japan and South Korea. Um, And so what that means is that rather than look at the rise and fall of the British Empire and the rise and fall of the American Empire, what we really need to think about is the relationship between these three different empires, if that makes sense. Um, And I quite like that. I quite like that way of thinking because it it yields... uh, an interesting way of looking at history, an interesting way of looking at what's happening today, and offers an interesting outlook on what could be happening in the future, particularly with India. Okay. So, um, you know, so one of the first things I take from this is that um, if we look at post World War II history, which was the Cold War era, it felt like a fight between two empires, between the a Russian-led Soviet Union, and the, the, a Free West led by the United States. But in this analysis, what you really would be saying is that after World War II, the European Empire was dominant, which I think is probably true. I think uh, the Islamic Empire has real problems where the Sunni and Shias are still at, uh, in virtual civil war, and Russia was just uh, and China was a, a, a really a mess for most of the, the post-World War II period. So we had a world that was European dominated and the Soviet Union had adopted socialism and communism as its way to try and control this European empire. And it was able to attract allies such as India and China to that cause. But when that failed, what we saw was the other side of the European empire then dominate, which is the US in the free world. right? And that has been the world that most of us would have lived in and grown up in that. And this globalization-type world is not religious-based and actually is trying to make everyone a consumer, it's trying to make everyone really the same and suppress nationalism, if that makes sense. Now, why I find this interesting is that as China has re-emerged as a global power, what we've started to see is the rise of this old-school geopolitical analysis coming together. So for me, what it does is it really explains the sort of Trump- or Trump thinking in foreign uh, policy. So what that means is that with a rising Confucian empire in China, you need to build a stronger sort of Christian empire, if that makes sense. That's pretty much one of the sort of, they almost explicitly say that, which is why he constantly reached out to Russia while rejecting China. And then it also explains what is probably quite, you know, this strong anti-Islamic, uh, sort of policies that also have come out at the same time You know, for me it was always difficult to think well, you know, How exactly, how are putting tariffs on Chinese exports Related to uh, bans on uh, immigrants from Muslim nations They, they seem completely disparate uh, projects And disparate sort of policies But when you think about in this old school imperial analysis There's a strong connection there uh, 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 and it implies a rising and it explains a rising nationalism and sometimes if you're sort of a more globalist type person like me, you know, sometimes it's trying to understand what seem to be very disconnected policies and from this pers- perspective, it makes a lot of sense. What this also implies is like a country like Japan wasn't ne- wasn't part of the west, it was allied with the west to be the dominant power. When the, within the Confucian-type uh, empire. And that, for me, makes way more sense than putting Japan in as a Western nation, because it plainly isn't, not in the way it does it, its its things. So that then means that, you know, the problem you got there, of course, uh, is that it implies that Japan could actually get subsumed back into a, a Chinese-dominated Confucian empire if they feel like the alliance with the West is no longer working. I think that is definitely true. I think that would be something that would surprise most people. Um, continuing on with this analysis is that what I think is we can then see countries where the borders of these sort of geopolitical uh, uh, plates or religious uh, areas uh, meet are often subject to instability. So we look at Russia, you know, southern Russia, has some you know uh, Muslim majority areas, so the Balkans uh, uh, as well. and these areas are, have been very prone to conflict over the last 20 years, the Chechen War, uh, the, the Balkan war as well. And when we look around uh, other areas where we see uh, two different empires are competing for influence like Malaysia, Nigeria, Cameroon as well among others, these are areas where we do see tendency, uh, with Sahil, to where we tend to see instability. So the implication is that when two empires or religi- religious slash empires intermeet, we should expect some in- instability to come from. Um, um, uh, and so you know, the, the one nation that I haven't mentioned yet but does definitely fits into that is India. So old India, Raj India, which included pa- Pakistan and Bangladesh, had a very very large Muslim population, which was a legacy of almost 300 rule, three hundred year rule by the Mughals, who were uh, uh, Islamic rulers. Um, and when you look at India now, you can see is a very it's Hindu dominated, but there are definitely regions where other uh, religions are are also quite prevalent. And what that implies is that uh, you know, and if we look at Modi policy or Modi government a very hindu focused uh, government and in a way what it seems to me to be implying is that india is trying to create a fourth power a hindu defined empire uh, which you, which is, which in competition with like a chinese confucian empire uh, or you know the muslim empire of the west and what we have really seen is China, india is in deep conflict with pakistan uh, you know uh, and has some deep issues with sort of uh, the Muslim world. But what we've seen, you know, just yesterday is an assassination of a Sikh leader in uh, in Canada. Well, it wasn't just yesterday, but it has become an issue. Um, and this would be in line with this sort of idea of India building, you know, sort of a Hindu based sort of empire based in India, if that makes sense. Uh, and the problem I have with that is when you look at the sort of uh, religious breakdown of, uh, of India, You know, you have a lot of different religions there, not just Sikhism, but of course Islam is a very big influence there. And so the way I'm thinking about it is that these underlying uh, religious slash empirical groupings are like geopolitical tectonic plates, and they can lie dormant for decades, even centuries, but when they begin to move they almost unleash this sort of geopolitical earthquake, which we've started to see between China and US, which is the leader of this sort of this you know European slash Christian empire, uh, and we're starting to see you know movement happening now between India uh, and China and probably the West as well. And what does that imply? Well It just implies, I think, you know, I think a lot of Westerners probably look at India as a sort of homogenous safe state, uh, whereas this analysis would imply that there are the potential for huge geopolitical event in India is. Is massively understated, and the possibility that it doesn't neatly fit into a Western alliance, uh, I think, is very, very elevated, uh, and probably understated by the markets in many ways. So, I really quite like this analysis because it explains a lot of uh, things that I've seen that didn't make sense to me, and actually offers sort of areas to look at and think about about how the world might change in a way that would surprise people who haven't thought about it very deeply. Uh, I guess the real takeaway is I would recommend at least reading the first chapter of this book um, and it gives you a way of analysing things. It may not be correct, but I think it's an interesting way of analysing things. All right, I hope that was interesting. Uh, Please drop me any comments or questions. Uh, Stay safe and we'll talk again soon. Ciao.